Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the Iffy Market Podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Scott Carson about uh, your business marketing mindset, I guess we'd say. This is going to be a philosophical episode. We're hoping to, uh, to, to screw some epiphanies into your guys' brains around marketing and how to think about your company. Um, so Scott, uh, he's known as Scott Carson, the note guy. He's an investor, an entrepreneur, a marketer, and a podcast host. Thanks for coming on with us today, Scott. Scott, I'm honored to be here, man. They're just here to, to give as best I can, I guess you'd say. You've got amazing podcasts and just absolutely love your show, man. So honored to be here. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. We love having, having you on. I love this topic. Um, I'm going to try to let you uh, talk a lot because I could fill the whole <laughs> whole hour, I think, on this. But let's jump straight in. The general concept here, I'll set the stage, I think is a little bit that Will Rogers was full of shit. Uh, and if anybody, Roy Rogers was a humorist a long time ago. And basically, he had a quote that I loved when I was younger. And then I have grown to to hate as I got more intelligent. And it's if advertisers spent the same amount of money on improving their products as they do on advertising, they wouldn't have to advertise them. And I was like, yeah, that's so people spend all this money on marketing and then they have a crap product. And now I'm like, oh no, that's bullshit. If, if you want to, you have to market. I mean, it's our whole podcast now, but you've got to market the shit out of it. And not only do you have to market the shit out of it, but you have to think about your business that way. Can you explain that? Yeah, man. These days, you know, you and I were talking beforehand and everybody thinks it's product first. You got to have the best product. It's not really building the best product. It's about how you deliver it and get in front of everybody. If you have a great product, you have a great pizza. You're the you've got the best pizza, award-winning pizza, but nobody knows about your pie. It ain't gonna work, you know. So you've got to really approach it. You know, McDonald's is a great example, and I I hate eating their burgers, but they've got the marketing down for the worst burger ever. But they've sold a billion, you know, billion plus burgers or five billion plus burgers. You know, that, and that's the biggest thing I think these days, specifically now with what's going on in the world and everything being so remote and Zoom calls out the wazoo and everything like that. You've got to really approach no matter what type of service you have, what type of product you offer up, you've really got to come with a marketing first. Okay, how are we going to market? How are we going to gain the attention of our consumers? And is there an audience out there that's listening? I mean, you and I could talk to marketing, I mean, talk to a wall about marketing for hours, but if nobody's listening, then it's not really worth the time. And you've got to learn to kind of pivot to where your market is at and really kind of identify, engage and test what you're doing and, and doing on a regular basis. But then pivot and change to where your audience is at. I think that's one of the big things, you know, we're both fellow podcasters here. My avatar with what I do, and we'll talk more about that later on, but it's an older crowd. They're not really listening to, to podcasts a lot of times. So I, as I started off doing what I do, I had to learn like, okay, podcasts are great. Everybody has a, a, a podcast, like a business card now, right? I had right. to pivot. I mean, I, hey, I, wait a I second. I say that because I'm one of those, <laughs> but I'm also like, I had I share it just you make sure and share my show on YouTube because I found out that's where my audience and my clients were giving me feedback where they were watching most of our stuff. I was like, okay. So that's the thing that we tr- try to approach on a daily basis is in this world, and we've I've done this for about five, six years now, in, in with what we're doing now, is that hey, what's the first hour of the day? It shouldn't be on emails and what your schedule. It's got to be what are you doing to get the word out to your audience, your clients, your new, how are you serving your existing clients with marketing? 
and it's really a marketing first. And that drives everything else. If you're down on sales. You know, so you're saying marketing first, literally, not just think about marketing first, but when you wake up, spend an hour on marketing. So like marketing before Basically, coffee. as the coffee's <laughs> rolling in, yeah, exactly. What are you doing today? And then for us, it's either A, you know, recording some videos, recording a podcast, being on somebody else's podcast, uh, replay videos going out to our audience, really trying to fit, okay, let's get get the word out what we're doing to our audience each day. Because if you don't, if you stop marketing, somebody else is going to step in that place. And with so so much distractions, you've got to keep that constant, uh, constant pressure. I don't want to say pressure, but constant mindset, top of mind, top of the views, in some sort of fashion so that your, your audience and your ideal client, whether it's businesses or consumers, is there and can keep up with what you're doing. Well, and to piggyback on that marketing first, it's not just, hey, get it done, but also um, you, you were talking about, you know, if you have a great product, but if you market it to the wrong audience or you market it wrong as the wrong thing, you know, <laughs> you're marketing, there's a massive history of products that were marketed as many other things first. And finally they found out, and most of them seem to be cleaning detergents. <laughs> finally they found out like, or li like list, they started as a cleaning detergent, like Listerine, and then they ended up, uh, and a little uh, trigger warning here for the listeners. I know this is a B2B marketing podcast and I try to keep it solid B2B, but every once in a while, the best examples are consumer products. And you know what? There is crossover as long as it applies in both areas. So we're probably gonna have a little crossover today just because the examples are so recognizable. Um, something like Listerine. I think it was supposed to be a floor cleaner first. And eventually they were just like, what if yeah. we put it in somebody's <laughs> mouth? <laughs> you know? uh the toothpaste companies all started out as something else. They were all some sort of cleaner. And then eventually they were just like, people want better breath. So let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's all give a, a, a quiet thanks to preparation H that it stayed. <laughs> so you're saying like, okay, the first hour. So if you have a great product, but you're targeting the wrong people, um, you know, you, you don't think you need to market because you're door to door, but you're going to the wrong doors in the wrong states or to the wrong demographic. You're going to doors of houses and you should be going to apartments because that's your, like you're marketing it wrong. It doesn't matter. You're not going to get the traction and succeed or you're going door to door selling, trying to sell one product or to sell it as one thing when it should be another. Maybe you have a great logistics setup of people to go door to door and they're trained well, but you're not, you're just not putting the right product in front of the, the people in those houses. So, in that same theme, the first hour of the day marketing, um, I've many times had something that I wanted to post late at night because I tend to work fairly late. And I realize, oh, I should be posting this the first hour in the morning because this might be a great post, but it's going to get buried by the time anybody gets to it. So it's not just getting it done, but also, you know, you're, you're getting actually getting your marketing. Well, that's, in front that's, of people. You have to know um, your habits. And this is, you know, we on the consumer basis, I mean, we, you'll, you know, we've all talked about avatars and knowing your client base. And, and I know my avatar so well that I have them by names. You know, I, I know Laura and I know Steve. All right. And I know the avatar, what their buying habits are and stuff like that, where they're living, what are they looking for? And that really helps me hone what I'm doing. But you also, I think so, so many people get lost in the noise out there. It's like something exactly you said. Hey, I got a great idea. I'm going to post this tonight. Doesn't do you any good if the people you're posting to are asleep and like you said, aren't going to see it till the morning. Right. So you have to know your habits. I mean, that's the beautiful. Or you post it on Facebook and you should post it on LinkedIn or vice versa. Like it's the wrong target yeah. audience. You have a podcast, but you're on radio also. 
a lot of your listeners probably are listening on the dial. Yeah, it's actually been one of the most uh, surprising things. Why would we do a podcast on a radio? But it also, I have an older avatar, and they still listen to the radio networks. They still listen to AM, FM radio. And so that's one of the biggest things mm-hmm. when we're approaching our you know, clients and things like that is, and, co- and sponsors or other products and stuff like that, or companies, hey, we're not just 15,000 downloads a month. We're... 7,000 views a month on YouTube. We got over, you know, half a million listeners every week on the radio network. So we can talk about besides the two and a half million that we can't track. You really have to know where everybody is at. And today's, it's just not about one thing. So many people get bogged down. Oh, Hey, here's how many people are going to click through things. Well, I love that you were talking, I think your previous episode talking about how it's got to be like 15 touch points, people to see your ad 15 times before they trust you and decide to do that. It's the same thing. You have to realize it's much a much longer sales process than it ever was before. And that's because there's so many competition, distractions, and that's why the marketing side is so different. You can't just do, oh, well, something's going to go viral. No, no, It may go viral now, but you didn't see the 20 ads or the 20 times it ran at a different time that just bombed, you know? And that's the thing. Right. Even impulse buy products, rarely is somebody at the checkout line in a grocery store and they're like, oh, let me grab one of these. And they're grabbing a unknown candy bar they'd never seen or heard of. They're grabbing a Snickers because they're like, it's an impulse buy. Like, no, you've been being marketed this impulse buy for 20 mm-hmm. years. <laughs> it's such the truth. You mean um, with the different names on the candy bars as they get hangry, you know what I mean? And all the different ads they run recently. That's not sales, that's marketing. And that's the most important thing yeah. is, is, and being creative enough where you're not trying to be, you know, copycat. Uh, one of the things that I always like to try to do is see what's going on in the market, you know, pop culture, what's going on movie wise, what's going on, what's trending. If we can do something like February, you know, it's February right now. So we've got a big thing, thing, fall in love, you know, fall in love all over again with notes. Cause that's, I'm in the distressed debt space, but or fall in love with your vendors. You know, you, something that it gives everything, but we have kind of that planned out on a month by month basis, Monday, you know, January is, New Year, February is Valentine's Day. March is, you know, St. Patrick's Day is the big holiday that everybody rolls around. But it's we plan yep. this stuff out six, 12 months in advance so that it's not last minute kind of planning. We also, which has been a bit of a pain in the ass too, is we look at the big movie releases that are coming out ahead of time. What's been planning for this year? Well, that's all been a shit show. You know, things get delayed. But right. okay, our marketing <laughs> got delayed six months till Bond comes out. Okay, well, at least we're ready to roll when it does, you know? So now your campaign is this week in the theaters. <laughs> Nothing. Now check out our product. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, okay, let's scramble. What are you talking? What's the holiday? What's going on this week? Impeachment. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing in the theaters, so you've got time exactly. to check out our pitch. <laughs> Don't waste your time. You know, you're tired of a uh, tired of Netflix and YouTube and uh, you know Prime and jump on and watch us. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. So it seems with, um, again, product, yes, you need to have a good product. We're not saying, you know, basically, I feel like if you are really good at marketing, you have no product. You're either 1-800-DENTIST, and then you're selling the leads to the people who provide the product, or you're a con, and you're marketing it and then taking people's money and giving them either garbage or nothing or something like that. So do make sure you have a good product, or again, there's companies that they realized they could market something. They found a niche for marketing. They were like, but we don't want to own or open a chain of dental hygiene offices, but we can just sell this to the people who do. 
Um, so your whole business can be marketing. There's things called agencies out there. And <laughs> like basically they figured out how to market and now they just do it for other people. Um, and also turn down people probably where they say, we can't market this or we don't have a niche or they figured out a certain industry. And so they do it just for that because they know how to market. Well, to that, that that's industry. the thing too. So if you look at trends, you know, as what's going to be the hot markets, you know, when a few years ago, the turn of the century, they're, you know, they're talking about how you had the elderly, the Spanish speaking, the overweight, the fitness, and then also the health foods were all going to be big trends. You know, if you could get behind those, great. But you will almost have to do a 180 and look at the opposite side of that spectrum, because if a lot of people are pushing money into those five trends, what's the opposite side now that doesn't have marketing? And that can be a great way for you to tap into uh, advertising costs or marketing budgets are coming in to help market. You know, years ago, um, about 15 years ago, Austin, I live in Austin, Texas, hot real estate market. And one of the things that we did back in 2008, which is brand new at the time, is we would go around to all the Betty Blue Hairs, you know, the old realtors, you know, that had the perfect wigs and stuff like that, that didn't know how to market for shit. But we were getting a lot of people moving out here from California. So what we did is we went to these Betty Blue Hairs. We did virtual walkthroughs with a little flip camera back in the day. Not anything high tech. Dell flip camera, right. five minute little video, put it together. And then we would market that without the address to the, the big cities like California, in California, Arizona, Nevada, in the bigger markets out there and say, hey, here we got, you know, if you're looking for real estate, pick this up. And we would get listings or you know buyers to sign with us basically sight unseen and because we tapped right. the market and all these blue hairs were like how are you selling helping sell my house how'd you do that so fast it's been on the market for six months i'm like you just gotta tap into the market people don't want to fly out here when they can have it served up to them on a platter for the most part and anytime you can save well, time you, or save money for people like that you're going to cash in you recognized a marketing niche an area that um things could be marketed where you had a marketing advantage that the people in the space didn't see. And then you just did it and sold that like 1-800-DENTIST, sold that to them. Um, so for a lot of companies, they kind of need to find that. They either need to market their product as something else. Like sometimes they're not doing well and they don't know why. Why can't I market this? Oh, it's a difficult market. It's this, that. And they think they need to get into a different business or totally change their product or just work harder at their marketing. And really it might just be a small pivot in how you're marketing it. You know, were you selling buggy whips before? You could go out of business, or maybe you could start. Opening That's what I would say. Shops. Yes. Like some people. <laughs> Mark, and I don't you know, mean sales and market marketing. Market to the Fifty Shades of Grey. It's <laughs> on Amazon, right? Right. No, I mean, there's plenty of industries that industries go away. The oil industry now is looking at it and saying, "Hey, we're being attacked." And a lot of industries fight and fight and fight and eventually go down. Um, you know, look, maybe a better example would be Kodak, mm -hmm. the film industry. Kodak could have pivoted, it, but they re didn't recognize, I guess, getting into the why of things. Their why was, you know, providing images, but they thought it was film, silver halide film. And they were really big on film. And so when one of their guys brought a digital camera, first one to bring digital to them, not a camera, actual camera, but the technology to them and say, hey, look what we can do. They're like, we're a film company. Like, no, no, you're an image company, you idiots. And then you lost out on the pivot because this is what's going to be marketable. Well, the, the same story. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the, the same product. story with Netflix back in the day when they approached Blockbuster. Blockbuster didn't want to buy it. Yep. Netflix, if you're, if you're, uh, if yeah. you're the industry leader in whatever you're doing, 
you have to pivot the most. You have to be the most adaptive or you will get run because smaller companies will come in and find a niche because they're agile, mobile, and a little hostile sometimes to, to be hungry about it. You can't sit back on your laurels over this. You know, Apple is a great example of that. They got so stoic in just being the person computer space until jobs came back in and you know, introduced the iPhone, the iPod to really help them pivot to an industry that really need a lot of help. So that's the, that's the thing. You got to be pivoting in some sort of fashion. You know, we see a lot, uh, you know, I think one thing that we, you're seeing a lot is restaurants are struggling these days. That's a big business. Restaurants struggling. But what I believe is going to be the biggest thing is going to be the food truck explosion. They've been doing well. I mean, food trucks, yep. They don't have yeah. the overhead. They just gets, gets And we're seeing that happen in Austin and other cities of travel too, where you're having the food truck courts, you know, you got your five or 10 food trucks are showing up on a daily or weekly basis or nightly basis. They're just swapping around. That's, you know, you got to look at anything that can be adaptive, but also fully changeable and however you're not reliant on that major thing that's held you in place these days. I mean, look at what uh, Best Buy is a great example of this, too, is that they started going to those kiosks in every airport. You know, the mini Best Buys, the mini stores or where you're going to see a lot of stuff that cubicle where I get to put a card in and if something's there without having to talk to anybody and you, you're, you're really marketing, not a hundred products, but maybe 10 to 12 of your core products. Right. Yeah. I was gonna say all Best Buy is selling their cell phone chargers. I mean, yeah, your phone's out of battery. We like, they could not even sell the hardware. Just say you can plug in here and rapid charge and they would have a business. <laughs> But it's a, it's a, it's a nice pivot. It's a total nice pivot play. You know, all these retail stores, that's the biggest thing. Hey, you got to pivot to an online consumer market base like that. And it's got to be online first the day of, you know, brick and mortar stores and companies like that. You know, REI, uh, REI just did that with them getting rid of their 40 acre campus that they just built recently. They're like, Hey, we're doing everything online. Now you can work from home and have fun and, and work in your underwear. And it's a business, it's business mullet. Business on top, shorts right. on the bottom. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the business mullet. I love it. <laughs> so let's get back to the, because I think some of the pivot, we're getting to kind of more product pivot and stuff like that. But typically that is a pivot because they can't market the old product. But back to the pivot around marketing and the central concept of if you can market something, you have a business. If you can't, you don't, um, you know, and I guess the underlying concept to that is you have to have a niche of advantage in order to do well. One of the things I was thinking about in leading up to this podcast was you don't really need a better product. You don't need a patent. You don't need something unique. Like everybody thinks they need that. Really all you need is to be able to market it. Now, sometimes also, the same concept can bleed into other areas. You can say, you know what? I don't even need to be able to market it better. I just need a better accounting scheme. Uh, I don't even need to be able to, and then maybe you should be marketing that accounting scheme. Uh, <laughs> but you find any area of advantage and you have a, a great business. It, and it's, you know, product is only one of those. So have a good enough product to not be a con and then, you know, market the shit out of it. Find something you can market the shit out of though. And if you find there's something tangential to your product that you can market, well, maybe you need to shift to that. The great news is marketers listening, you're in marketing. You can take this to your boss and say, holy crap, I have my mind blown. 
we need to spend way more attention and budget on marketing. <laughs> and by the way, you need to shift what you're doing and open an S&M shop because uh, that's what we can market. <laughs> Buggy whips are us. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing is, is looking at, you know, if you're starting to see sales decline and you're starting to see things change, you, you it's, Time to do it. Time to switch it up. Time to call an audible and do something different to help make things work for you. I mean, now these days, the whole like Polaroid camera thing is a party favor thing that they do a lot of times. It's not the, the same thing that it used to be. But <clears throat> knowing the spending habits of your clients to your ideal avatar is also important thing, knowing what kind of price point they're looking for. You know, there was, I think you guys, right. uh, there was an article the other day or something about somebody who had uh, a Instagram model or something like that to two, three million followers and she got paid this huge amount to markets like a $36 t-shirt. Well, if you look at her base, her people don't have $36. They might have $9, you know, <laughs> so she's dealing with, dealing with that tween, tweeny age group. They don't have $36 for one t-shirt. They got nine, 10 bucks. They need to think in Walmart, not Neiman Marcus. You know what I mean? Right, right. So somebody said, like, we need an influencer. And they were like, great, go find one. Yeah, here's an influencer. And we want to be with the hip kids. Okay. They didn't really think the audience through very well. So they marketed the shit out of it, but to the wrong people. And that's not really marketing the shit out of it. That is an epic fail. Yep. <laughs> you, you jumped yep. off the high dive, but you did a belly flop. <laughs> you missed the, the pool altogether and landed on the concrete. <laughs> um. Yeah. So it seems, I mean, there's a couple pivots companies can do when their marketing's not landing, let's say. Um, you can pivot your messaging and just start calling it something different, start approaching it from a different angle. Um, you can pivot your audience. Maybe you're targeting the wrong audience, but basically if you're, if you're sitting in a situation where your marketing isn't as effective as you want it to be, then you need a pivot somewhere or maybe multiple places, but Find an area that you think you can market and, and do that, a product you think you can market and do that. And if you're at a company, I've said this before in this podcast, if you're at a company that you think is unmarketable, yeah. then you're at the wrong company. Like find well, another my, job. <laughs> Maybe not the best you know, market my, for that. My but. <laughs> idols I like to look at is surprisingly, is a guy out of Orlando. He's a big guy, Shaquille O'Neal. He's one of the best pitch man out there for companies right now because he likes the product that he markets, but he does one thing a little bit different. This is something that we apply to our company too, is every year he brings every company that he's a pitch man for, or he owns, he brings them together in Orlando. I think it was just in Atlanta this last year because it's gotten so bigger. And he actually listens to his vendors. What are you seeing? How can I be more effective in being a pitch man for what I'm doing what are you seeing? What questions are the clients asking? What are the problems, the issues? So he, he brings everything and he, he listens. And I think that's one of the biggest things. If you're struggling, reach out to your vendors, reach out to the people that are not just your sales guys, but or your call service people, but the vendors that you work with on a regular basis on the B2B side, because they'll, they'll tell you about trends. They'll tell you about opportunities and they want to do more business with it. So they want you to achieve better sales because they if you're doing business with them and you're doing more making more money you're gonna do more business with them and vice versa so five years actually four years ago we implemented it with our company we started we brought in our vendors our sponsors and we spent you know two days here in austin or we did it uh, last year in orlando and just listen hey what are your issues what's on your schedule how can we better market that for you oh and by the way 
here's some other opportunities for you. Why don't you talk to this person and you guys market together? You guys would be great. Or, hey, you talk, Julie, uh, Juliet, you talk to Aaron here. Your companies would be great fits in, you know, that up funnels are upstream or downstream, you know, relationships that can work really well. Yeah. And they love you. And I bet Shaq billed them to come there and do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He sure <laughs> did. And I was like, I want to come and just hang out for the day or the weekend to learn more about you. Right. Or just invited them. And then the hotels he had them all stay at, he got a deal with as a spokesperson for bringing Or he, all or he owned the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or he owned the hotel. Yeah. He's working a lot of marketing angles there. And that for him is in itself marketing, bringing those people in, doing that kind of thing. There's a example I like to bring up because it was a major fail on my part. Years ago, I was talking to customers to try to find out what they want. You know, what do we need to be providing? We're not. If they could have anything in, in the data sphere, in their marketing, what do, they, what do they really want? And one customer told me, like, I want to know when my customers want to buy. I want to know when these people are actually ready to move forward. You know, I'd say if you had a magic wand and you could have one thing, like what would it be? I'm thinking, okay, they're going to tell me what product I need to make next. And uh, I said, okay, I mean that, yeah, of course that would be nice, but you know, realistically, and this was probably a couple of years before intent data started becoming a thing, which is basically what that is. And so I'd say, listen to your customers. And when they give you that outrageous thing, that sounds, you know, that's a moonshot find one or two of those and, and try to figure out, try to solve the problem instead of doing what I did and just saying and dismissing it because that was intent data. That's the biggest thing in our space and my space probably right now is, is that basically identifying through all these signals online when somebody's actually ready to talk. So you're not approaching them every single day, but once a year when they're actually looking into buying the thing you're selling. Um, so yeah, when you listen to them, really listen to them because that would have been a big pivot to us into a space that didn't exist yet and we could have been uh, the people. You know, one of the space. things I think miss, most businesses miss out on, I mean, we're all familiar if you're selling a product or service of Black Friday sales, you know, day after Thanksgiving or the day after Christmas, you know, end of the year. But I think most people miss out on the end of January because depending on where you're at and what kind of buying habits your clients have, if you're I hate to say this, if you're really below that $50,000, $40,000 income, it's the, it's the avatar, you know, that's the income of your avatar. I would be looking to offer something up at the end of January because the fact is that's when most people are rushing to get their taxes done to get that money in on that tax return and they've got their flush with capital and stuff like that. And we've seen that uh, kind of surprisingly in the mortgage business uh, with what we do in buying debt is that, oh, we always see Februarys where the most amount of loan modifications and reinstatements and stuff happened was in the first part of February because people go do their taxes, get their tax returns. Now they have a flush with cash and they could do something with. And I'm really surprised we don't see more of a trend right. like that out there in, in, in business. Interesting. It's, it's marketing your bar um, on payday, basically in, in the saloon, marketing your saloon on payday, right? <laughs> this is, this is when you have discounts on drinks or whatever to get the business in there. Uh, Cause you know, everybody's getting cash from the mine. Down, on your, that day. down your tears before your credit card statement shows up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Don't go home with your paycheck. Stop in the saloon. Uh, we'll here. gladly take that problem off your hands. <laughs> yeah. Go home with a smile for your wife, not a paycheck. Okay, and with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in a minute with uh, more about 
your marketing business mindset and figuring out what you can market with uh, Scott Carson on the If You Market podcast. If you're not always on the lookout for new data sources for your sales and marketing, you're just not doing your job. I've got great news for you, though. You can go to topdatasearch.com, sign up for a free Top Data Search account, and use promo code IYM500 to get 500 contact download credits. Again, that's topdatasearch.com and promo code IYM500. Welcome back to the Ify Market Podcast. We're here sp- speaking with uh, Scott Carson, or I'm trying to speak, uh, stumbling over my tongue with Scott Carson, the host of the Note Closers Show podcast. We're talking about the marketing mindset and kind of looking at your business as a, can I market it is, uh, is where you need to be type of a thing. So Scott, before we get back into that, can you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, about the Note Closer Show podcast, and uh, kind of how you got to that, to that in your life? Like, what yeah, was it's an interesting there? thing. So I was actually worked for a big company, J.P. Morgan Chase, as a banker, and and pivoted back in 2004. I didn't like what I, I mean, I enjoyed what I was doing, but I wanted to get more in the real estate investing side of things. So I was very fortunate enough. A buddy of mine started a mortgage company with some investors, and I went to work with them, launched this mortgage company back in 2004. And we were traveling the country to all these big real estate expos, and I was doing mortgages for investors. Well, we all know what happened in 2008 with everything taking it, you know, the market taking a big shit. And the guy that I learned a lot of this real estate investing had taught about buying distressed debt. And that's what I basically have done for the last 12 years. As I work with banks and lending institutions, I'll buy their distressed mortgages at a big discount. And then how we make our money is either working those out by getting the borrowers back on track, or we'll market those assets for sale to other investment companies or investors that can pick it up on their portfolio. And so I've been doing that for the last dozen years. And about six years ago, uh, after traveling so much across the country, I mean, being on a plane 40, 50 times a year is not fun. I mean, I, I lived the rock star life for about the first couple of years, which was a lot of fun being a yeah. newly divorced guy and stuff like that. But after a while, it gets old. It it's seems fun. Yeah. Traveling around at first, you're like, yeah, I'm rolling around. Then you're like, now I'm exhausted. Thank God for COVID. <laughs> I can't fly. Anymore. Well, luckily for <laughs> us, we pivoted. And I say we, my company, we pivoted about five years ago and said, okay, this is driving me bonkers. Um, we were listening to people because I was I, I speak at workshops, I speak at conferences. We were seeing those numbers start to dwindle down as people didn't want to attend so much. So I was like, looked at our industry and it's kind of a very niche industry in what we do. There's not the same thing as like fix and flippers or landlords or these big like right. uh, wealth, you know, wealth building companies, whatever like that. So. So you're seeing we're not able to market. This well, well, the thing anymore. is, it's not we are able to market it, but. When you're going to different places, you can't have that long-term effect of marketing. You don't have a lot of enough lead time mm-hmm. to market if I'm speaking in feed. Right. I mean, you can you can do the marketing activities, but you're not exactly. getting the effect a- anymore. It, it's your marketing is not as effective as it. Uh, so I guess I'd say, like when I say if you market, they will come. The assumption is right. effectively exactly. like that. It works if you market well, and it. It works. And the biggest thing is, I started <laughs> looking at my competitors. My, my peers, other people that were teaching the same thing in the industry, a little older age than me by about 30, 40 years. And I said, okay, what are they doing? And what are, or what's not happening? And so I was like, well, there nobody's, everything's got to be in person. And I was like, well, why don't we do an online right. summit? So we started doing online virtual summits, virtual workshops. We gave it a try. And I was like, oh my God, this is so much cheaper. 
so much easier. I have people from all across the country coming in versus that just being in like Washington, D.C. or Florida. And I didn't have to work so hard. And I was like, oh, this is genius. So that's what we started doing. And so if there's no other barrier to them coming to it, becoming a lead kind of uh, stepping in for this, if there's no other barrier um, that an online event creates, you're saving all the money. All the, I mean, when you look at a cost per lead, even if you only got half as many people, your cost is such a fraction that your cost per lead is a fraction, meaning your marketing is just more effective. And yeah, I, I don't have to work nearly as hard to hit the numbers. When you look at overhead of hotel bills, travel costs, days away from your family, printing costs to print out manuals, all the follow-up, all the headaches that go with that versus now I get to sleep in my own bed at night. Plus the, our clients, our investors and stuff like that, they're saving money because now they're not having to leave town on air flights. They're staying at home with their family. They're able to take it just a day off versus five days off from their job if they're doing this on the side hustle. They only got to take off Fridays versus Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then fly back home Sunday night and be exhausted come Monday morning. So we found that as a big advantage, and that's really what helped us really uh, make a name for myself in an industry uh, that is niche, but it's also a lot of people love that idea, like, oh, my gosh, in way – one of the big things that's it's been really helpful the last five years, especially this last year, everybody's all scrambling to do virtual events. And we were just business as normal because we were ahead of the curve. You were already there. Now, what about, let's say you guys did that pivot and you said, Hey, let's let's move our marketing to online. Let's do these events online. And, but your target audience, frequently older people, right? And maybe they're not going to get online as much. Did you have a drop off because it's like that could have been a disaster. You could have found out our people just don't want to come online. They want to come down to the local diner or to the local wherever, you know, old people get together. I don't I'm not that old yet. So this is going to sound um, really They haven't told me where they hang really out. Bad. So one of the things that I've made a name for myself is that we really focus on marketing more than anybody else. So we're talking about the email, the CRMs and stuff like that to help you stand out from the crowd. We You're market, you market the, the shit, shit out, out of that shit, okay? To help you stand out All from right. the crowd. But what we found... Well, watch the language. Sorry, context sorry, in the sorry. Line, my, bad, my bad, You go back and beep it out. But anyway, <laughs> when, you, when we have a lot of class, yeah, you have people coming down and you have some older folks that aren't the most technologically savvy. So we just made it a big point that, hey, if you're going to be on the virtual stuff, here's the step-by-step -step basis. We've got somebody standing by the night before or the day of to help walk you through it. If you can't get on, you're frustrated, we'll just send you the links to the replays as part of it to overcome that. And that really just, just solved it. Right. Hey, let's just get on the phone. We always know we're going to have a couple of phone calls the morning of an event because people wait. But you just got to prepare for that and or do some prepare the night before so that it's like an extra touch. Let's have a tech check for everybody the night before. And that helps out, too. And just right. being being available for people that they, 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 that they can plug and play into their schedule Versus the other way around where it's got to be a major life event for them to come and learn something. Now they can plug and play and watch and join in in a variety of facets. And, and really that takes away a lot of the, the, the hurdles to help them, you know, learning something. Now, now they can do it at their leisure and stay at home, eat well, spend time with the kids and family, not get the third degree because they're heading to another conference or something like that. They're actually staying home and learning. When you first started doing that, um, did you have less people per event? Or, it was or funny. More? We would average when we were doing this, we'd average about a hundred people that would sign up. We'd get somewhere between 50 and 70 that would show up depending on location. So this was like a three day, four day event. Well, then we went to the virtual events 
we had basically about the same amount, but it was almost a hundred percent, 90, 95% attendance ratio. Wow. I was going to say, it sounds like your in-person ratio is really good compared to what most people see on web and like webinar signups are kind of lackadaisical for a lot of industries, but apparently for yours, I'm sure you didn't well, know this until you I'll, tried I'll it. Out here. Like, Here's the big thing show up. that people do. And it just drives me bonkers. It, it, it's my biggest pet peeve. Like you were talking about the why beforehand. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> the biggest pet peeve I have is when I see businesses that give away free tickets and you've seen free tickets, free events come for free, for free. And you, it sounds like, Oh, we had 500 signups. Well, you had, it doesn't mean anything. If you had 500 signups and 450 of them are dead wood. Okay. Or they, they're not, there's no investment. Right. There's no investment in their parts. They're not going to show up. And if they did show up, the conversion ratio and sales, is a lot less. So I rarely give away free tickets to a, a workshop. Only time I'll do that. Wow. So yours are paid. Like you have a door charge, basically you've got a cover. Yeah. There's a, charge, a 99 uh, to $600 cover charge to be on an online summit with me for a couple of days. Wow. So yeah, you know, exactly. And I would rather talk like to that. 10 people that paid me even a hundred bucks versus a thousand people that didn't pay anything because those are the easy opt-outs that just ends up killing your CRM. It kills your matrixes. I want to see who's in my, and that's one thing we do. Okay. Who, who signed up, who showed up, who watched the replays the week after, and then we run our numbers on sales and follow up at that point. Hmm. Now I'd say to people listening, if you're running free webinars right now and you're like, sweet, we're just going to char start charging $99 for these. You're going to have zero signups probably because you're probably struggling to get people to show up for free. You had an audience that was really coming for this already. You knew you already had a paid audience because you've been doing these in-person events and, and whatnot. You, you knew you could, you could market it in that way and get responses. Uh, so yeah, don't start just charging for your webinars and thinking you're not going to have two signups and, and they're both well, and another thing like is that. we've been doing webinars every Monday night at 7 PM for like seven years where that's the freebie come out, learn a topic every Monday right. night. It's called note night in America. We've branded it that way. Like Sunday night football or football night or hockey night in America. We did note night in America. Okay. Saw something that worked well for mm -hmm. another industry went through it on ours. And that's where, okay, if you want to come learn, that's the free spot. Come hang out for an hour. You're building your brand and your value. You're telling people like, you've heard this and now you know that that $600, nine, whatever it is, is worth this other thing coming up. And now you have a platform where you do probably have a, a pretty uh, closer to the industry average ratio of signups to drop off. Yeah, we're, we're a little bit better because the fact is that we have all this extra content. We take those webinars and it's on YouTube. It's video marketing. It's content marketing that we rinse and repeat. So like Monday morning, we got an email going out in the first hour. Tuesday morning, we got an hour, an email going out the first hour, the replay of the night before. You know, by Wednesday, Thursday, we know what we're going to be talking about the next following Monday that we start marketing for that list. And it's just a, it's like a six, seven email series that we start marketing very first thing in the morning. And then we, we you know, we slice and dice that stuff up to help really hit and answer the questions that our tribe is asking us, you know, and um, our we don't pre-plan the content a lot of times. We pre-plan it around what kind of questions we get for the week or what questions have been answered from our events because we do survey that shit out of our people. Right. And when they tell us what the biggest problems are, that's what we highlight as a topic for a free content to sell them into our paid content. Now, I'd like to point out here, and this is probably a whole episode for us to have at some point, um, but there seems to be a distinctive difference in how you can market 
when you, you've built a brand basically, and you've built an audience. So there's certain things you can do and other people, maybe if you've built the brand and audience, but you don't have the messaging or the product to put in front of them, that's when you can pivot your product to fit. Cause now you can market to them. And if you haven't built that, then you have to market differently. You have to find a different marketing advantage than the type of thing you're talking about. I, I want to warn people about trying to go out and doing what you're talking about here. Cause I'm like, you will probably fail. You know, Scott has put a lot of stuff underneath layer, like I said, with the webinars, we didn't, that came up and like, oh yeah, these are all set up by all of this. He's marketing the shit out of it. And that's why he's able to do what he's doing with that. It's, it's not a one dimensional market. Well, that's why the podcast has become um, so, so valuable. And we started doing the, I was hesitant to start a podcast originally because I was doing all these webinars. Like, I don't want to do all this extra editing. I don't want to have that. No. And I had a friend like, no, you really got some good content. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And I'm like, oh, it's just another way to touch more people. You know, they, yeah. some people like to watch the videos. Some people like audible. And that's why it's so important to know where your clients are at. And if your different age groups are at, go to where they're at, go to where they're spending their time. I mean, we don't spend time on TikTok because <laughs> they're not on the ideal clients aren't on there. We have an Instagram account. Wait, you're not, you don't have a massive yeah, no, no, TikTok No, no massive, it's a, it's a tick, no talk, okay? That's basically better. That's the coolest new thing, though. How could you miss that boat, man? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't help if you're sitting there and nobody's there to listen. <laughs> right, right. Your audience isn't there, and that's where people are marking the shit out of it, but with a capital S and they're like, <laughs> it's actually shit. Um, the shit needs to be an emphasizer, not really yeah, exactly. a turd. <laughs> uh, shit with a, with a dollar sign Please. for the S. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly okay so um so basically yeah you you jump into the podcasting and find out one you can invite guests on and let them do all the heavy lifting i'm not doing anything here you're doing all the work so that's not as hard as you think it is um and then you get to just have more content to get out in front of your audience for that massive top of the funnel to set up what people then end up seeing as your paid events and thinking wow look what he's doing there's a lot of groundwork to set that up and that's something that you just saw an opportunity for. An well, that's because market. my industry had no real podcast. There was nobody. There's a couple of people that had small things, but they weren't mm -hmm. consistent and they were stopping it. When I called and I asked them about their podcast, like, oh, we're, we're stopping. I'm like, what? Okay. Nobody else has it. I see something yeah. and pop it. And there's so many businesses out there, companies out there. They're actually looking for people to start podcasts for their company. I mean, they understand the niche. They understand yeah. the absorption ratio that people are listening 86% of the time. It's just, they understand it, but they don't have the guts, I would say, to stick with it. Because like you said, they just keep dropping off because they're like, oh, podcasting's hot. Let's do that and some TikTok videos. And then they don't see an ROI from it when they calculate it out a month later. And you're like, same with account-based marketing. They run their account-based marketing for a week and they didn't see any that's, results. So they've got to cancel that. It's like, look, this it is, is a, a long, long game. game. Exactly. It's extremely top of the funnel brand building. It's not going to drive hard leads in. If you're looking for an ROI, don't even waste your time. Type, type you know what I found is has been a good thing, um, Skye. Actually, I, when I started the podcast, I started bringing on my peers or competitors on my show. And it was a, a, a chance to spend an hour, mm -hmm. hour and a half with them, picking their brain. And it found ways <laughs> that things that they were missing out on that were opportunities for me to market. So it was literally like, Mm, invite me into your boardroom and tell me all your problems. Oh, okay. I'll fix that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 
That's funny. So at one point I had a concept where I thought of making a fake podcast and inviting competitors on just to get inside info from like, not the CEO, but somebody lower that wants the attention. And now let me fix, ask them like some questions to find a out what's going on behind the scenes. He's been passed over three years in a row. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't know because people get on a podcast. Like I've said so many things I probably shouldn't about my business on the, like you just start talking and then uh, you feel like you're in a safe space and nobody listens anyway. And they want to share and want people to like them. So you just start telling secrets. And uh, so anybody who wants to steal that idea, go for it. You got your, your corporate espionage uh, podcast there. I hope people see this. Many of the listeners see this as a little bit of an epiphany in marketing in that, you're a marketer for God's sakes. Think of marketing as the center of the universe for your company, because you know, even if other departments think of themselves as the center of the universe for you to be successful as a marketer, you should, and you might just save your company by seeing a pivot that needs to be done. Cause you say, Hey boss, I can market this, but not this, or, you know, maybe it's just a pivot in your, in your messaging, you know, Hey, we're approaching it this way. And we should be saying this we're, trying to sell it as this same exact product, you know, instead of a floor cleaner, let's go mouth cleaner type of a thing. Um, so there's no product change. It's just who and where you're marketing it to. And uh, you'd mentioned earlier, a lot of companies die and they didn't have to. They just wanted to be king of the mountain or keep trying to climb that same mountain if they weren't king uh, sometimes, but they wanted to be king of the mountain. And once they were there, they're just like, this mountain's got to stay the same. It can never change. And eventually that kills them when, you know, Apple companies are afraid to cannibalize mm -hmm. their own product lines sometimes or cannibalize. So they don't want to make that pivot. They don't, even when the, what can be marketed is shifting or things are shifting under them. So be agile as a marketer, market products that you haven't even made yet, just to see if there's a response to them, um, you know, experiment out there and then think about your marketing as the whole concept if you can market it, you have a business. So what can you market? Where do you have any advantage in marketing? Whether it's a platform, whether it's a technique, whether it's, you know, I can get leads at a slightly lower cost per lead than someone else. Any advantage you can get in marketing, now you have a business. But if your cost per lead is higher, if you're on the wrong platforms, or, you know, maybe you can fish where all the fish are, or you can fish where none of the fishermen are. Some, you know, finding or a sweet spot in there. The polls. That's the biggest thing. Selling the polls, selling, selling the, polls. the picks and the shovels and the pans and the gold rush. You oh, know, yeah. Look, yep. Yep. Hey, the gold rush is going on. You don't have to hunt for gold. More millionaires were. But that's the thing. Companies out there that provide that services, the alternative services to the bigger things. I mean, you know, cell phone covers for the iPhone, you know, <laughs> chargers. All there's this whole market around these bigger products that are there to serve and they cheap. Cheap barrier entry, they're all bought in China for a dollar and then sold for 20 bucks at the you know close out. Those auxiliary picks and shovels to whatever product you're offering, hey, those are the great things. I mean, somebody invented the cap on top of the Listerine bottle. Like, we guarantee it didn't have a cap when it was a four-cleaner. You know what I mean? <laughs> when it was a floor cleaner. That's their tagline now. All right. Um, Scott, thank you for coming on. Uh, hopefully this has been kind of an eye-opening episode for marketers and you, you again, do see yourselves as the center of the universe and the, the person in the company that can be shifting and driving everything in those meetings where you say, hey, I have an idea and it's we need to do everything different. Um, maybe float that by some higher-ups first. 
<laughs> so uh, you can find the show notes information on Scott uh, Carson on ifyoumarket.com. I think we can find you on LinkedIn, right? Anybody wants to connect with you there. And he's the host of the Note Closers Show podcast. So uh, go check that out if you're in the who should be listening? Our, to our number one listener is usually real estate investors. People that are looking that are already active real estate investors are looking to tap in to real estate in some sort. We focus on the niche of distressed debt investing, which is obviously hot right now with the, the market being like it is. But we mix in entrepreneurship, marketing and mindset to keep it fresh because a lot of entrepreneurs in real estate, they were all dealing with that. So we like to keep it fresh with content. And about half the time is me teaching. The other half right. is interviews with interesting people. And so the listeners are thinking, why the hell, and now they've got this far in the podcast, why the hell are they having a real estate guy on the B2B marketing podcast? And it's because, yeah, he's selling real estate, but really, are you not selling real estate? Notes, I'm sorry. But that's the real thing. It's, the thing. it's marketing. He has to be able to market it to have a business. And if he couldn't market his product, there is no business. And he understands that and came on today to share that with, uh, with everybody here. So yeah, go check uh, check Scott Carson out. Again, LinkedIn, reach out to him with any questions you have on hell on real yep. estate. And, notes, and one right? of the great things, everybody, you know, Sky is doing a great job and KJ too, which he's not here today. But the best thing I could tell you guys to do, if you're listening to this, go hit the subscribe button and make sure you leave Sky and them a five-star review. I know they may not ask that. They didn't ask me to do it, but I just know when us as podcasters, we love getting that feedback. We want to hear from you. So reach out. Subscribe at that five-star review and, and share it with somebody else out there as well. Hell yeah. There's some Yahoo out there asking for six stars and stuff like that. We're not that greedy. We only want five. Uh, come on, six stars. Don't get don't get over your skis uh, there, time. man. You can't get more than 100%. I don't know who that guy has never heard some cancel or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we love you, David. On behalf of the Ify Market team and Scott Carson, of the note closer show podcast thank you for listening to the iffy market podcast where we believe if you can market the shit out of it or man i see i gotta change the tagline i'm just not used to it so I, let me get another run at that we believe if you can market the shit out of something you have a business should you find yourself in need of targeted lists for your sales and marketing campaigns have a look at topdatasearch.com our platform lets you quickly and easily search and download lists with email, phone, mailing address, everything you need for your sales and marketing campaigns. So if like many of our clients, you're sick of the high cost, poor data quality, and poor service of your current list provider, go to topdatasearch.com and get a free account, no seat fees, no subscription necessary. You only pay for data when you need it. Use the promo code IFYOUMARKET1000 and get an extra 1,000 free download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.